In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The temple in Jerusalem and the palace in Jerusalem sat as the two most powerful symbols of that place and that time. They were the dwelling place of God and the dwelling place of the king. And the Davidic dynasty was viewed as the human manifestation of the reign of God. And this manifestation extended to all of the people who lived in the city of Jerusalem. And the expectation of David's dynasty and the city of Jerusalem and all the people there would be that they would receive an abundance of material and spiritual blessings from God forever. Loyalty then to the temple and to the city of Jerusalem never faded throughout history. Even during that period of exile, when people weren't actually in the city but were in Babylon, they still thought of Jerusalem as their spiritual home. From time to time, the prophets um, were very vocal about uh, Jerusalem. They identified broadly with the people there. And the way they talked about it was Jerusalem was God's people in every way, in every time, and in every place. Jerusalem then became a symbol of divine protection but also of divine judgment. The prophets, when they talked about the sins of the nation, they also said it was, it was responsible um, by the people of Jerusalem. They saw Jerusalem as the adulterous city, an unfaithful harlot, and the one who chooses political power over faithfulness to God. So, for example, Jeremiah saw the city of Jerusalem as being oppressive. Micah saw it and its ethical and social sins as arising out of unfaithfulness to God. The prophets preached that only radical conversion would avert God's judgment and would save the city. And therefore, in that judgment, All of the people of the city were held to account. Now, for their warning, the prophets usually suffered rejection and punishment and quite often death. But the people still believed that Jerusalem, God's holy city, would always survive, that God's blessings would eventually flow to Jerusalem again. The hope was that God would create even a new Jerusalem, an even more glorious city than the one they had at that time. To this glorified city, the faithful remnant would return, and God would draw all nations together to this new Jerusalem. The inhabitants of the new Jerusalem would be inaugurated by the king or the Messiah who would usher in an even more glorious reign of God. So in our reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke this morning, when Jesus laments over Jerusalem, he invokes in his listeners 
a host of images and expectations. Here is Jerusalem, the center of political and religious power, the symbol of God's people gathered together, the collected memory of the people's rejection of God's word, the focus of God's judgment, the hope for peace and prosperity, and to all of that, Jesus preaches a word of judgment. The prophet is going to Jerusalem to pronounce God's word and to face a prophet's death. God's word will be rejected, and God's word incarnate, Jesus, would be killed. So during the season of Lent, we're invited to follow along to travel to Jerusalem with Jesus. And in the same way, we travel a spiritual journey to our own Jerusalem, to what for us is our center of power and our place of hope, to hear a word of God spoken to us. For many, our personal Jerusalem is a combination of the real and symbolic, both palace, and temple. For some, the primary source of power is political power, perhaps the one that sits in Washington, D.C. They would say that our government will save the world by transforming it, and that God is working through government, and patriotism becomes a significant part of our religion. And to challenge the government is to challenge God. For others, the primary source of power might be religious power. They look to the church to lift up an example to the world and transform it. The church then becomes our religion, and to challenge the church is to challenge God. These places often become our centers of power and our centers for hope. We assume that God's power is resident in the places of power in our lives, the government or the church or business or the courts or the school or whatever we lift up in our own world to say that's the most important thing. We assume that when our institutions prosper, their work is of God and is blessed by God. So that makes sense. When things are going well, it seems to be true. When government regulations benefit me, I do prosper. When the church's ministry affirms me, I feel blessed. When my job is secure and pays well, when my business makes a profit, I'm comfortable and confident. And so it is easy when things are going well, to assume that the Jerusalem that I've created for myself is in fact God's dwelling place because I rightly then deserve to and I do receive God's blessing. But when the institutions which served as my centers of power and hope fail me or judge me, when I'm told that my living at the cost of others is sinful, when my standard of living is lowered, when things are not well, then my Jerusalem, like the Jerusalem of old, becomes the place where I experience life's failings. So Christ's entry into Jerusalem 
was really our Messiah's triumphal entry. But although he spoke God's prophetic word, he didn't only die a prophet's death. His resurrection that followed ushered in a new Jerusalem. So now we really live in a different world. It is still a world where we encounter injustice, rejection, deprivation, and violence. And all we need to do is turn on the news every day to be reminded of all of those things and more. And in this Lenten season, we know ourselves to be a broken and sinful people living in a broken and sinful world, which is why we put so much emphasis on confession and absolution during Lent. And yet we are simultaneously a redeemed people living in a redeemed world. Christ's life, death, and resurrection is salvation for us, and it marks the beginning of a new Jerusalem in our midst. So what does all of this mean for us? We are called to make Christ of the new Jerusalem, the center of our lives. Through the power of Christ, we become partners with him in the transformation of the world. And we learn that none of the institutions of our society, government, business, education, judicial system, not even the church alone, can transform the world. When we put our faith in those things, we discover they give us only illusionary peace and prosperity. Now, God may choose to work through these institutions, and God does, but ultimately, God is not tied to any given Jerusalem. But God in Christ will meet us at any time and any place often when we least expect it or in places where we least expect it. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Today we're reminded that Christ calls us into an everlasting community which is the new Jerusalem. Christ calls us into the protection and the care of God, into the challenge and responsibility of really being the people of God in this world that so needs from us a word of love, a word of hope, a hand of help. Christ calls us to even face rejection when we proclaim God's word and when we receive and bear God's life and love. Christ calls us to be Jerusalem, the people of God. Amen.